You're listening to The Road to Philanthropy with Gary Cohn, a podcast series on giving and working with nonprofits. This podcast is produced by Painted Rock Advisors, a consulting hub providing services to the philanthropic and nonprofit communities. We bring together your values and wealth with opportunities to do good work and make the world a better place. What can we do to help you? Contact us at paintedrockadvisors at gmail.com. Hi, this is Gary Cohn on The Road to Philanthropy, a podcast series on everything in the nonprofit, philanthropic, and business world. Before we start our interview today, I'd like to let our listeners know that in the Chronicle of Philanthropy, the top 35 podcast of 2023, The Road to Philanthropy was listed as number 12. Thank you to all my listeners and all my guests for this astounding, exceptionally great moment. We also have added an opportunity to subscribe to The Road to Philanthropy for bonus episodes, private talks with our guests, tchotchkes, like a t-shirt and a coffee mug, an annual conference, and at the highest level of membership, a one-on-one session with me, your host, Gary Cohn. And now on to our interview today. Today's guest is Ofer Gutman. Since 2019, he has served as the CEO of Massa Israel Journey. He has dedicated himself to shaping a promising future for young Jewish individuals, the global Jewish community, and the connection to the state of Israel. Ofer joined Massa in 2014 as Vice President of Global Marketing and Sales, where he developed a cutting-edge system that increased the organization's international reach and engagement. Today, Massa has served more than 180,000 young professionals from over 60 countries since its founding. Prior to Massa, Ofer served as CEO of Jerusalem Venture Partners Community, Executive Director of the World Zionist Organization of North America, and Director of Long-Term Programs at Israel Way. Ofer holds a LLB and is an attorney. He served as a battleship fighter in the Israel Defense Forces. He was born and raised in northern Israel in the town of Tivon and lives with his wife, Jacqueline. Welcome, Ofer. Thank you, Gary. Thank you for inviting me. Good to have you on my program. You know, I worked for the Jewish Agency for a number of years, and we were major supporters of Massa Israel. So I'm, I'm happy that you I can have you on the program. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Massa Israel journey and what you guys are doing now, what your mission is and some of your programs. Uh, the Jewish Agency is one of our co-founders. We are, uh, we are founded by the Israeli government and the Jewish Agency together. And actually our name, which was, I think it was born in very accidentally. It wasn't like a big think tank about how to call the organization. I think it was like something like 20 years ago, people, some people sat in the room and they decided that's the name of the organization. I think it's like really on point because Masai in Hebrew means journey. And that was what we, what we are about. We're mainly about Israel traveling, but we don't see it as another trip. Trips are great and amazing, but we think that to, uh, to get to know a place, generally any place in the world, and for our sake, Israel, is much better if you're, if you're spending a significant time there and live it like local. So that's why we call it a journey, because it's not just a trip, it's much more than that. All of our programs, few months to a, a, to a year, spending time in Israel, live it like Israelis, with a program, with a structure, with help, but really feel, and for a few months, like a regular Israeli. So you understand it from a very different perspective, and your connection to the place comes from a very different place. When, you are, when you're coming to a trip for a few days or for a few weeks, you can pause your life 
and go to have the trip or the seminar or whatever and come back. But when you come in for a few months, you need to be aligned with something that will be helping you in your life. So that's what, it's not one program, that's the concept of Masa, but we have many different programs, internships, volunteer, study, whatever it is to help you advance your career, your international experience, and a lot of things that you want to do in your life, which Israel is in the center of it. So when someone goes on a Masa program, do they get involved in the business side of things that their interest is technology, their interest is marketing, is there programs to in, in, in involve them in Israel community? Absolutely. At the moment, we have about, we have like 3,000 fellows in Israel that are interning or working in the startup nation, in the high-tech industry. We have Masa Karir and Masa Tech, uh, which we connect them to the, like in every field possible in Israel, to companies, to nonprofits, to governmental of, uh, offices, and whatever they want to do, of course, with the right CV, uh, we make the connection. And they're coming and they're doing it here, and it's a win-win to everyone. I know many of the, the people coming into the program come from the United States, and I've known people right. that have, uh, whose kids have been in the program. Where else do they come from in the world? Is it just U.S. or is it other parts of the world? Well, that's an amazing question because a lot of the people from the U.S. really think that there's mainly U.S. people that are coming in there. They're coming to the program and they are amazed because we have between 12 to 14,000 people that are coming from 60 different countries. The US is like, I would say something like half of the market, um, but the other parts of the world, we have many people coming from Russia and Ukraine and France and the UK and Australia and South Africa and everywhere that you can think of in Latin America, wherever there is a Jewish community, there are some people going on Massa. Very and good. to connect to what you said before about the uh, about the uh, uh, doing career, like start working in the Israeli companies, think about that there is like a small startup in Tel Aviv that has five people work for Massa, one from Germany, one from the US, one from Mexico, and one from Brazil. These five people representing five different languages, five different cultures opening doors to this, uh, uh, to this uh, startup, bringing new business, bringing new culture. And that connection is, is really, really helping, not just them, but it's really helping the Israeli society and Israeli economy. I know when I was with the Jewish agency, I had, on one of my trips, I had visited one of the places in Tel Aviv, not Tel Aviv, Haifa, where there were new immigrants, Olim, that were coming in. And when I sat down for lunch with these people, one was from Argentina, one was from Germany, you know, all over the world. And it was very interesting because they were learning to speak to each other and they were learning Hebrew at the same time. And they they realized they had a connection that they may not have uh, thought was that strong before they got there, you know, which was really good. Uh, excellent. We actually ask, we, we did a lot of tests in our, in our, in our program, like surveys and, uh, and uh, auditing, and we want to see where they are. And one of the things we ask about with how many Israel did you make a, a significant connection uh, with Israelis? And if so, with how many? And the average is with about 12 to 13 Israelis that the person said I made a significant connection with. But what is more, uh, uh, I would say, surprising is that they say that they make about 20 to 22 connections with young other Jews from around the world out, that are not from Israel and not from their country. Right. So that global connection, it's actually amazing for their network, 
for their social network, for their future business uh, uh, network, and from understanding their part of, of where they are in life. I wish I would have had this program when I was young, you know, all I had was a trip to Israel. That was it. <laughs> you know, this was great. Well, we, ex um, we, ex we extended it used to be up to uh, 25, then 30. Now we, we're at uh, 35. So pay, like, pay attention. It might get to you age soon. <laughs> I'll talk to my daughter about it. Uh, that'd be interesting. She went on a birthright trip, but uh, uh, that was a couple of years ago. And I think she had more fun on the follow-up trip to Greece afterwards with her friends, but uh, I don't know. Well, Birthright is, the... is a great, Birthright is, is, is a great uh, program. We are, uh, and we're working a lot with, uh, with Birthright and a lot of our people are Birthright alumni. It's a good starting point. It's a good taste. Uh, we'll, but we feel we'll that talk the... about, uh, we'll talk about fundraising later on and we'll talk about birth. Okay. I want your thoughts on that. Tell me about the marketing of the program. How do you market uh, and get people to know what your program is and, and what's available? Well, we do it in a very, like a variety of ways, but we know that the, the future of uh, marketing, not the future, the present of marketing is in digital. And we invested a lot of resources in digital in the last uh, few years digital, social, we, uh, we require the best softwares about it. We do, we have our own team, our, our own digital team that does, that does this outreach. And I really feel, think that uh, a, lot of our, a lot of our leads, a lot of our people that are interested are coming from, uh, from, from that part. We also have a lot of uh, connections in the Jewish communities abroad. We have a team of Massa uh, workers that are in G different Jewish communities. We have, an act we have a team in 23 different countries that go to Jewish uh, events, to synagogues, to conferences, to youth events, to uh, uh, create uh, Israel fairs and whatever it is in the organized Jewish community to spread, to spread the world. And we also have trying to get to as many people that are come to Israel for a short time to expose them to the fact that there is a longer stay after youth movements that are coming, um, a birthright that are coming to Israel, students. So we're trying to cover all of the uh, uh, all of different channels. Very good. How many employees do you have all together in, in Massah? Close to 100, close to 100. But there is many more people working in this industry, part of Massa programs, because we are, as Massa, we're not operating, talk, talking about 12 to 13 uh, different thousand people uh, that are, need to have, they're getting uh, accommodations and trips and Ulpan Hebrew classes and they're getting the assignments and the day-to-day -day work. And so there is there's a lot of people working in different, what we call the our operators, which some of them are uh, companies, a lot of them are nonprofits. That this is what they, uh, their main goal is, what they do. Uh, so I would think the, the industry of Massa is much more than that. Our Massa headquarters in Israel and abroad is about close to 100 people. And you're, you live in Tel Aviv. Is that where Massa is headquartered? Or... Massa's headquarters is in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem. I live in uh, Ramat Gan, which is uh, close to Tel Aviv. Uh, my uh, ex-New Yorker wife say that uh, we live in Queens. <laughs> <laughs> I got that. I understand that. Tell me a little bit about the governance structure of the organization. Do you have a board of directors? Who do you report to? How does that work? So um, I have with me, my, in the professional side, I have my management team. And I have a board of directors, which is representing, I would say, some of them are lay leaders and professionals of the uh, Jewish agency. And some of them are representing public figures 
Um, and that's my board of the directors. I also have, I have a very unique structure because on top of my direct uh, board of directors, I have a steering committee. Uh, and the steering committee is actually the chair, they have the co-chairs. The, one of them is the uh, general uh, director of the Jewish agency. And the other one is the government, the cabinet secretary, because we are funded by the government of Israel and by the uh, Jewish agency. And they have many different ministries that are involved in that steering committee which is a big fun uh, by itself. Do you have individual donations also, or is it, or you don't, yes. you, yeah, you do. Yes, we have found, we have individual donors. We have uh, foundations that are uh, supporting us, but the most, most of the money comes from these two uh, resources. Also, we have some, the government of Israel is matching. If we're bringing private donors, if we're bringing foundations that are supported directly, must suffer a specific project, the government of Israel will uh, double it and match it. It also helps. And now a moment for one of our sponsors. Jorgensen HR believes that the employer's workforce is the single key to customer satisfaction, reputation, growth, profitability, and the ultimate success of the company. Jorgensen works to ensure that employees are engaged, well-trained, and led by owners and management that are passionate about the success of their company and its employees. Jorgensen HR provides outsourced HR on an interim or permanent basis. They provide an audit of the company's HR policies, including work plans, procedures in compliance with labor laws. They provide affirmative action audits for companies that are required by law to have an annual report. They handle workplace investigations for harassment and discrimination among their HR solutions. Jorgensen HR, results-oriented, driven by passion, guided by expertise. Jorgensen can be reached at jorgensenhr.com, J-O-R-G-E-N-S-E-N-H-R.com. Will the change in the current government in Israel with Netanyahu taking over again have any impact on the funding for the program that you're in? It's a good question. A lot of people ask me that. Uh, Massa was founded in uh, 2004 when Ariel Sharon was the uh, prime minister. Uh, he had that vision. He wanted to bring a lot of young people to spend significant time in Israel. Since then, we've been, there were many different uh, governments from different sides. Massa was always something that was, doesn't matter what the government is, they support uh, Massa. It's something that is not political. Something that is beyond the uh, left and right in Israel. So I don't think there's going to be any change regarding their commitment. Netanyahu, before, when he was a prime minister, before he supported Tamasai, came to some of our events. And also when Bennett and Lapid were there, they were a big supporter of Massa. It sounds like the speech I used to give when I was with the Jewish Agency, because on the <laughs> west coast of the United States, that was a big issue, you know, for donors. The east coast. It's a good. It's a good. It's a good question, yeah. and in some cases, I'm sure there is an effect. But there are. I think I'm lucky to, to lead an organization that it is not uh, political. We do have programs that are more. We have more. We have programs that are affiliated with some of the political issues. We have programs that are more towards the left and towards the right. Some are more religious and more. We have some more reform and more conservative, more orthodox. But I would say that first of all, we have everyone in the camp, and secondly, most of the programs, most of the fellows. They're not coming to any of these programs. They're coming to do a leadership gap year, to volunteer, to study abroad, to do an internship, to work in the startup nation. So most of our programs are really not political at all. Well, I think one of the things I like about the programs you offer is that one of the things that 
people need, especially the young adults in their 20s, is, is leadership training and the uh, understanding how to operate in an environment that's broader than themselves. Because in America, certainly, there's an entitlement issue with a lot of young Jewish kids that have a lot already, and they don't know what it's like to struggle. And to get into a program and see other people and interact with other people and learn leadership skills, I think is very, very important. Look, we're taking someone who's taking them out of their comfort zone. They're going to the other side of the ocean. They're living with people that they don't know before for a significant time. There's going to be challenges, yeah. but they are but they are overcoming it. They're learning so much about themselves. They're growing, they're developing. And with the right uh, support and the right team, we actually really give them the right uh, tools. Right. We also, we also me me measure it a lot. We just launched an alumni uh, research that we did from uh, which we had like thousands of uh, alumni from the United States that we, uh, that we tested. We, so we want to see where they are. People who did Massa in the last 12 years. Where they're doing now, right? That's good. I would say that first of all, we wanted to see, we think that Massa is a good pipeline for the nonprofit professionals. We really feel that people that are coming here and see it, especially in the in the Jewish world, um, they 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 get connected. They connected to Israel. They can connect to their Jewish identity, and they get connected to to action to do something about it. And you can really see it. We we were really surprised with the figure that one in five of our alumni work in an in a nonprofit uh, mm -hmm. world, especially in the Jewish world. Right. That's I mean, that was a big I, deal. I grew up in America. I never thought I'd be a nonprofit executive. You know, I was a banker. You know, I was a, and because of a transfer I didn't want to take, I moved over to the nonprofit world. I ran a synagogue for 17 years, a big one, and then I went on the fundraising thing. And who who knew that that's what I was going to do in my life? But it's very rewarding. And I, I think when I do speeches in America, I do workshops on nonprofit because I'm, I'm a consultant mostly. My my podcast is my fun part of my life, but I talk about careers in nonprofit, what they are, whether it's marketing or IT or leadership or governance, whatever it might be. And also, I think in America, anyway, no one knows what kind of incomes. Not They think that nonprofits mean you're paying pay less or you're not being paid very much, uh, which may have been the case 30 years ago, but is not the case today necessarily. And now a word from one of our sponsors. Lloyd Burkett Insurance Agency, founded in 1946, provides businesses and nonprofits with insurance services throughout California and the country. They provide business and commercial, personal insurance, workers' comp, and benefits. They specialize in churches and synagogues in the nonprofit world, and they handle businesses of all sizes. Thank you, Jeff Burkett, president of Lloyd Burkett Insurance Agency, for sponsoring our podcast, The Road to Philanthropy. www. BurkettInsurance.com. That's B-E-R-K-E-T-T, insurance.com. Tell me a little bit about how you ended up getting to Massab. What were you doing before and what made you come to the organization? So funny what you talked about, the fact that you didn't plan to be working the nonprofit. I definitely didn't plan to do that. If you can see from my accent, I'm born and raised Israeli. I'm a third generation in Israel. I had a regular uh, Israeli childhood. I was born and raised in the north of Israel. I went to the army. I served three years in the Navy on a battleship. And my dream was to become a lawyer. 
That's what I wanted to do. <laughs> and, and I went and I studied, uh, I studied law. But when you study law, you start to do like, you know, these summer internships, this work to see, like, to get to, to know what you want to do. So I started with criminal law and I really hated it. I thought that this is really not for me. Oh, everyone deserves someone to uh, defend them, I understand, but why should I do that? <laughs> <laughs> then I went and actually did, did an internship in business, uh, in business, one of the biggest offices in, uh, in Israel uh, that was dealing with uh, tax law and uh, uh, with contract. And I felt that it, definitely this is not my field i used to as I, I used to really look at the town the time when when the, the day will be over uh and i thought to myself if you're so young and you just started your career and you look at the time when the day is over this is not where you need to be i also remember that one in one specific specific meeting the people in the office thought they found a loophole in the tax law of israel and they had this spark in their eyes that they really were engaged and they thought that they were like now, and I look at themselves, I look at them and I said, I would never feel like that. This is not me. <laughs> I will never spark in my eye because of a loophole in a tax law. So, but I decided I want to finish, I want to finish it. I, I started my, I started my, my, my study and I need to finish it. And in Israel, after you finish your degree, you need to do stage, like to do like a parallel law for, for a year before you do the bar exam. So then was my first shift because I, I did it in a nonprofit. And it's the first time I worked in a nonprofit that helps new immigrants with their legal issues in Israel. And I saw that they, their cause, I really connected to their cause of helping people coming and getting them you know, uh, into the country and helping them with their problems. And I loved listening to their stories, where they came from, their communities, their background. I hated the low part of it, but I loved the cause. So that's, uh, that's how I got in. I was really fortunate after that to be sent to be a shaliach. I also worked for the Jewish agency. I was an emissary in North America. I was stationed in New York for four years. This is also where I met my wife, which took a lot of time to convince her to come to Israel. She didn't in the beginning. I had to come back here. And after that, she came. That was my start connection. My, my years in New York changed me. I really felt that I started to love the nonprofit world the Jewish world, the connection between the Jewish community and abroad in Israel. And after that, I've been working in this field for a long time. Well, it's funny you said you, know, you didn't have a passion for the law at that point. When my daughter went off to college, she said, what advice can you give me? And I said, have fun and find your passion because you have to love what you do in life. My listeners heard me say this before, but you got to love what you do and be engaged in what you do. If you if you're looking at the clock all the time, you're not in the right place, you know, and and that's very right. true. I never have a Monday morning blues. Yeah, that's like something that is re in Israel. It's a Sunday morning blues yeah. because it was Sunday. That I, that I learned. But, <laughs> but but really, I I feel like I'm really believe in what uh, in what what I do. I really believe in what we do in uh, in, in Masa. Um, Masai is not the only thing that is doing that that connection and that it's changing people's lives, but I really feel that that Masai, the concept of when you have someone coming for a significant time, you have time to work with them. You have time to see the process. And we can see it. We really can see it with our alumni. About a third of our alumni 
say that they uh, donate to, uh, uh, to Israel. Half of our alumni say they donate to Jewish uh, causes. Now, this is like, it's not just getting them to be involved in professional life, to be a Jewish professional, because a lot of them don't want to be, and it's good, right. it's fine. Some of them, but they're getting involved, and they're getting involved with the cause. And I think that's the most important thing. One of my guests on my show about six months ago was Mike Levin, who was the founder of the Jewish Future Pledge, which is a program where he's trying to get Jewish people to commit to half of their donations, especially in their estate plans, to go to Jewish causes. And he's got well over 2,000 people signing it now, maybe it's more than that. And it's a, it's a, great, a, a great thing to do. Because one of the problems we have in America is that as Jews were assimilated more into American society, especially in the last 25, 30 years, you'll see universities with Jewish names and concert halls and symphony halls and all the and hospitals and all these things. And a lot of money is going to non-Jewish causes and they're trying to bring the money back into, into Jewish causes, uh, which is I think is very important to the, the, the longevity of, of, of what we do. I totally, I totally agree. Um, not that donating to your local community is not is not important, but it's definitely in, important to maintain the uh, the donations to Jewish causes and Jewish communities. And I do think that what we see is that when people come to this, what we do here in Israel with Massa, they have a transformative experience that get them much more involved with their Jewish identity, with their a Jewish community, and I think the fact that they also meet young Jews from other parts of the world makes them think about that bigger story that they are belonging to and they are part of. We thank our sponsor, Hot Dog Business Growth. Hot Dog Business Growth has over 40 years of practical experience. We've developed best practices for the execution of ideas, professional growth, constructive communication, employee relations, sales strategies, including compensation, pricing, marketing, and much more, such as CEO and leadership counseling, both in the for-profit and non-profit sectors, customer service assessments and training, sales counseling for individuals, sales teams, sales management support, and pricing strategies. We focus on team synergy. Our leader, Joel Volk, has spent years building the type of team synergy that results in positive relationships and improved results. We have a team of 11 consultants, working in the profit and nonprofit world. As Joel says, hot dog, it's a wonderful life. You can find us at hotdogbizgrowth.com. That's hotdogbizgrowth.com. I wanted to get back to and talk about Birthright for a moment and funding. They're going through a major funding crisis right now, obviously, because they've lost the, the major Adelson gift that had been supporting them for years. How do you look at your funding sources and the ability to diversify them, uh, which is one of the problems that Birthright's having right now, is they don't have enough diversification in their funding, and, and they're looking at having to cut back programs. First of all, yes, the the fact that if you if you have one major support, it's uh, it's always hard when you, you need to put you need to divide your eggs between different baskets. And uh, my uh, situation is a bit uh, different, but similar, meaning a lot of donation side come from the uh, from the Jewish agency, so. The Jewish agency is not relying on one, one donor. It has a whole structure of the federations, JFNA and UIA around outside of Israel. There's many different support systems regarding it. But on the other hand, if I only, if I only 
rely on the Jewish agency, the Jewish agency can't provide, it's harder. So we are trying to get more and more uh, private donors and private foundations that will support us on top of, like, not connected to what the Jewish agency is already giving and supporting. But I also say that uh, I think that when you're connected to a system like that, sometimes when you have a need, it's easier to, to record the, fund, the, the funding. I'll give you an example, really current example. We had a budget for this year to bring X amount of people from around the world. And from a former Soviet Union, we were able to bring, the budget was able to bring about 1,500. This is what we expected that we were going to get. But we know what happened, and the demand got uh, got higher. Now it's really it's very expensive to bring someone from uh, from uh, Russia because, first of all, unlike birthright, the programs are not free in Massa. We are sponsoring the programs; they're subsidized, but the person pays. It depends what he's going to do. If he's coming to teach English in the periphery of Israel, it's, it's, he's paying much much less. If he's coming to a master degree in Tel Aviv University, it's a very different kind of problem. The concept is the same. Both of them are Massa programs, but they are very, very different. The, pers- the people from, FS- from the former Soviet Union, uh, from Russia, from Ukraine, from Belarus, they can't pay a lot anyway. So um, I need to sp- we need to subsidize them a lot in order for them to, uh, uh, to come. Right. So they're very expensive on our budget. We saw the demand was 1,000 people more. Instead of 1,500, I need to bring 2,500 people. That's 1,000 people. It's about six six million dollars more, mm. which I didn't have in the budget. But the Jewish agency came, went with so it went with the campaign and raised the money mainly from Mandel Foundation and the and Jewish Federations of North America. But when you have that structure, the foundations that support you on one side and old structure of federation supports you on the other side, so it brought us three million dollars. And with the matching dollars from the government, which I get. In every dollar matching, I, I, got the, I got the funding that I needed to bring in extra thousand people from Russia. That's a great example. Great example. Let me finish up by talking about what you do when you're not at the, not at the Masa. What do you like to do? You have a family, obviously. <laughs> I, I have a family that I love and cherish. My, uh, I don't have so much time for hobbies. I, I actually very much like archaeology and, and, the his, and history. Uh, mainly in Israel. So I try to read every new thing that I can, uh, if there is like something that was was found or there is a new uh, place that was open to the public, I'm trying to uh, to get the feeling of it. And I know it's not so cool. It's not such a cool, but this is uh, this is something that I really, really love. I loved it from a, from a very early, uh, from a very early age. It's really, really amazing to see how we know so soon in our lives what, what we like and what we don't like. I remember even from school as a, as a kid, everything I learned about math, physics, chemistry, the day after the test, it's gone from my mind. I don't remember <laughs> it. But everything I learned regarding history, regarding sites uh, seen uh, to, see, to see Israel, geography of Israel, even Bible, it's all stuck in my mind after I like I remember it all. So I think it's really like you, you, you know. Sometimes your passion even from a very early uh, early age. 
Great. What about sports? You get involved in sports at all or you don't do much? In the I used to play. I used to play basketball as a teenager for a while. Today I do some uh, bike and running, but I'm not a big sports. No, <laughs> unfortunately, no. We live in the center of Israel and my, uh, I, was, I was born and raised in the north. My family is still in the north of Israel. And north is like, Israel is very, very small. And if you go an hour north of north from the center, you feel you're in Europe, you're in Europe, everything is green and wonderful. If you go one hour south, everything is desert. I'm more a green person. I love to go to the greens and to see. I also love to travel. I think it's, uh, we, we travel as a family a lot to places uh, abroad, especially in Europe. I love to hike, to see uh, nature, to go on the big mountains, to disconnect to see a bit well, but like uh, it's to, re to recharge. Well, that's one of the benefits of being in California is that we have mountains and we have beaches and we have redwood trees and we have nature. It's, it's a good thing, you know? Yeah, I love California. I've been there many, many times, especially like the green side of North California is really, really amazing. Well, my partner, she is outdoor educator in the preschool world of, of young children. And she believes in outdoor education and letting kids go out outside and look at things and, and discover things, which is what I think a lot of people should do. I mean, even as adults, we don't, we tend to drive past things and don't see what's around us all the time. So it's a very good thing. Right. Sometimes this is actually a much better learning than the thing that you can learn from uh, your learning class. There's a whole theory about, about it. What we actually, when you look at the CV of a person, there are things that you get a lot of credit used to. I studied this, I did this, I did these schools. But actually, if someone was, I don't know, he was a counselor in a youth movement, sometimes in the, in the afternoons, in the, like throughout his, throughout his uh, teenage life, he got, I think he should get more credit for it than many other things that getting credit officially. Definitely, this is what we encourage people from uh, Masa. They say, you know, you are, if you, if you come here, like if I need to, 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 to hire someone, and I look at someone with international experience, left his safe uh, environment, went to the unknown, dared, did something different, thought outside the box, did something that is not out, out of the ordinary, he should get from me. For, with me, it gets more points than someone who went to college after that study and, he's, and he has an amazing CV, but everything is in that path. Uh, it's, it's something we call street smarts. You know, you can get right. smart, but you have to meet street smart, you know, how to get around. I always used to say, you give me a Harvard student and give me someone at a Cal State University and someone will know how to get across town with five bucks in their pocket. And someone else will be lost, you know, that's part of, uh, <laughs> it's, part of the it's street smart, but it's also, I think it's also, I really feel that the person that did this experiences will be a better Harvard student than well, someone say, who got a higher grades right. in class but did not do any of these, these activities. Well, it's, you know, there's a, a theory of exp experiential education. You learn more by doing and by part, being part of something than by reading it in a book or hearing it from a lecture. And that's what you're saying about Masa, that people get engaged and get involved and they learn from that. That's great. They definitely do. They definitely do. And I really feel that they also, they, they change and help Israel. So it's not that's what they're getting. I have 200 uh, uh, people from the U.S. that are teaching English in the, world, in the, in the ch most challenging schools in Israel for a year. They come, 
they are English speakers. They come to and they teach English. Do you know how much they're helping these schools, these, these kids, their families? It's a big, we're bringing, we're bringing about 200 doctors a year that already study doctors abroad and we help them getting the tests in Israel and becoming doctors and certified doctors in Israel. This is like one of the biggest faculties of, uh, of doctors and they're not studying wow. in Israel. So there is many things that it's also contributing to the, uh, uh, to, the, to, the, to the country and the place that they are. So it's a really win-win. I always tell to the government, you're maybe investing a few tens of millions of uh, dollars in this project, but you're getting so much back. So what, what did I forget to ask you that I should have asked you? What else do you want to say that I forgot about? I, I didn't come with my uh, 10 points of what uh, I came with an open conversation of what you want to, what do you want to, uh, I, I don't think I uh, have something. Okay. Well, that. For my listeners, if you want to get involved and learn more about Masa Israel, you can go to the website, which is masaisrael.org and you can you can see we have in four in five different languages we have a youtube channel we have all the so we are in all the social media but the website is really 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 cool and if you want to donate a hundred thousand or more dollars call me and i'll connect you with uh, ofer and i'm sure he'll talk to you <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, you very much it's been a great interview i loved having you on my show thank you thank you very much thank you for listening we want to stay connected with you be sure to stay connected with our community by giving a like to our Facebook page and following our Instagram at paintedrock underscore advisors. Our podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. We'll see you at our next release. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.